and welcome to Rogue Pixels, the podcast that shares your love of the biggest and best animations online. Each week, I, Colm O'Hearn, chat with the creators of the most successful tunes on the internet to learn all about how those cartoons came into existence. And this week we are talking about There's Something About Amy from Mashed. Last week on the podcast we spoke about Secret History of Sonic and Tails, so moving on to the follow-up series that came six years later only makes sense. So There's Something About Amy, a four-part series that began in April 2022, concluded eight months later and sort of took on a life of its own as soon as people started watching it. At time of recording, it has accrued over 22 million views, and it even went on to create an entire Sonic multiverse. Why don't you have a listen to a short clip from the first episode of There's Something About Amy, and then I'll be right back with Ben and Jason of Mashed to chat all about the cartoon. Happy Sonic Day to you! Happy Sonic Day to you! I made you chili dogs! You're my best dream come true! I made you chili dogs! So joining me now to talk about There's Something About Amy is firstly, returning guest, series producer on Mashed, Ben Michael. Hello, Ben. Hello, Colin. So nice to talk to you. Always. And alongside him in our virtual space here is the man who is a wizard with post-production on Mashed. It's Jason Allen Dewey. Hello, Jason. Hello, Colm. Nice to be here. Last week, we got the rundown of what Ben does. So now I'm sure all of the Mashed fans want to know what you do, Jason. So give us a bit of an insight into what exactly you do working on post-production. Ben will obviously get you know VO recorded from the artists, and then I'll take that VO uh, and once we've selected what takes we want, I'll edit that into an audio edit, which is basically the skeleton of what the cartoon becomes. Post-production starts properly where we'll do sound design. Sometimes I will do music edits, but it's usually a case of stitching all of that together into the final animation that you see that goes on YouTube. So sound design is a lot of it. That's probably the most difficult part of the whole process is, is just listening to it, finding the right sounds for the right situations because some cartoons are more kind of cartoony than others. Others are more kind of dramatic and need a bit more of a grounded kind of soundscape. And then afterwards, kind of making sure it's all kind of compatible with each other. So sound, music, dialogue. Lovely. Now the listener knows a bit more about Jason Allen Dewey. But yes, we are here to talk about There's Something About Amy. Ben, why don't you take the reins here? As I did with Tom last week, I gave him 60 seconds seconds, not one second shorter, not one second longer, to tell me about Secret History of Sonic and Tails. So can you tell me the story of There's Something About Amy in 60 Seconds? Three, two, one, go. Okay, so it's Amy loves Sonic and she wants to go out with him. He's not interested. She turns to their mutual friend Tails for advice and he gives her sort of dating advice that sort of all backfires. And then he creepily uh, suggests enhancing her and sort of turns into a bit of a Frankenstein. She tries to get Sonic and he rejects her and she loses her mind, kills him. Tails helps her bury him. And during that conversation reveals that he isn't Tails. Well, he is Tails, but he's Tails from another dimension. The secret history in Santa Tails then they step into a portal into the multiverse and then they see lots of ring-shaped universes on a trip to go and see the real Sonic. Very good. And with five seconds to spare, congratulations. It was a tough task. 
It was a tough task, so you did well. Now, Jason, I spoke to Ben about there's something about Amy a little bit last week when we were chatting about secret history of Sonic and Tails. But my sources tell me I've done a bit of digging and I found out that you were the man who envisioned the whole Amy story. So how did that come about? That was probably about 2018 and I was still kind of early, well, yeah, early-ish into Mashed. I was already a huge fan of Sonic and Tails' Secret History cartoon, which was 2016. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we brought back Tails? And I thought thought at that point, Mashed was in a position where we could bring back one of our takes on a character and people would be quite excited. And so I, I kind of thought, what could be an interesting way to bring him back? And I thought, you know, a kind of a, a twist reveal at the end of something would be nice and interesting. Where, you know, you, you have a simple cartoon that starts out with one premise, but then kind of it devolves and then kind of turns into this other situation. And it kind of opens up this whole possibility of a lot of other things right at the very end. And this was kind of when, when Marvel was like really kind of starting to reach its peak as well. So mm-hmm. lots of kind of lots of different kind of storylines and characters coming together. And so, yeah, I, I thought Secret History of Tales specifically was a really interesting one to bring back because I think he was he was so menacing and chaotic that you could really do anything with him and people would find it interesting. Unfortunately, I, I think it was probably the wrong time when I first pitched it. I don't think we were in quite the kind of the more narrative focused position that we are now. But what was it, Ben? Was it 2020 or 21 when I pitched it again? Well, we started making them last year. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's an idea you'd mentioned a couple of times that we kind of like, but it felt a bit bare bones. Um, but the first email I had from you where you actually sent a very rough storyline was the beginning of last year. It was kind of a long process trying to get the story just to that, just to that point where it was in 2022. I, I credit you with, with kind of helping with the structure a lot, Ben, actually, just to kind of really help focus it into like the way that it builds. Well, th- I suppose that does bring me on to my next question for you, Ben, because Jason sort of comes up with this idea of bringing back tales and maybe morphing a, another character within the Sonic universe. But, then it becomes a bit more of a collaborative thing between yourself and Jason. Would that be right? I mean, I could literally, do you want me to read the original? Yeah, yeah. Jason. Yeah. So the original idea that Jason sent around was Amy lives next door to Sonic. She wants to date Sonic and thinks if she does nice things for him, he'll go out with her. But she has this voice in her head telling her that Sonic doesn't deserve it. She ignores the voice and does nice things for Sonic, like buying him chocolates. He doesn't like chocolates. Buying him running shoes, he runs off with them. And subduing Robotnik, Sonic defends Robotnik and frees him, but Sonic is having none of it. Eventually, Sonic goes on a date with Amy, only to realize it's a prank on Amy involving Knuckles and Tails. Amy snaps and kills Sonic. In standard Tales from Secret History, reveals himself in the shadows, tells Amy how proud he is of her, how many plans he has for her and takes her into the multiverse to be continued question mark. It's not too far off what it was. It's not that far. No. I mean, I think the main thing, I guess that I'm sure I said at the time is because then, then we go straight to beats, which are like, I mean, it basically is what we made is we probably had a long conversation about it. I think we had a lot of long conversations about this one, getting a character like Amy to a point where she's going to kill Sonic you need to get there. Like you need Mm. to take time. You need to really break her down where like, that's a little bit like there's a prank and she goes mad and kills him. It's like a bit like, that seems like an extreme reaction (laughs) for Amy to do. Um, But so I think a lot of it 
was building her into a character that people could sympathize with and making it make sense and like showing her snap and break down and wear down. And weirdly, like, I think like we didn't even have like the highest of high expectations for the cartoon because like initially, because a lot of it is that it's like, just like trying to get people to like, you know, empathize with her. Cause like at the heart of it, it's really just like, everybody's been there. It's like unrequited love. It's like, she loves Mm -hmm. Sonic and Sonic doesn't love her. And like, and that is enough that that's a big enough ingredient to probably get her to killing him, but it's like getting it the right way. And also like how to make sure the twists really hit. Cause I think that's one thing we've done really well in this series is, you know, the twists have hit most people like as genuine surprises. And like, I think we're continuing to do that really well. So it's just like a subtlety, I guess. And like a sort of character building exercise, but yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been really fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun reading back through the revisions. Cause there's so much like little stuff, like on the third thing, I think I said, one of my notes was maybe he could say, what are friends for every time? That's kind of almost become uh, Tails' catchphrase. I think that's something we could probably use through all of our Sonic videos going forward. It's just make Tails say, what are friends for? Just to trigger everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's whether it's part of that or not. Yeah, we had some sort of heady early days after the first Amy or to like mid Amy's when people were really like every video that came out they thought had something to do with it and that yeah. Tails was going to pop up at some point, even if it made absolutely no sense. It- <laughs> My favourite was the Love Island Animal Crossing cartoon <laughs> where somebody said, oh my God, Tails is going to pop up. And it's like, I don't know if he will. <laughs> How would that work? <laughs> you mentioned something there, Ben, about not having the highest expectations when the first one was being put out. Was some of that down to the fact that that first part it's kind of a bit different to anything Mashed had done in that it's quite a sincere, quite sweet. Obviously, yes, I know it morphs as it goes along. But the first half, I want to say, ish of the cartoon is, you know, about unrequited love. It's almost a romance story that, yes, morphs into a horror one, but there is quite a lot of that romance, young love type thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was that it was like there's no action like I mean one chop did a really great job of it and I think visually it's kind of interesting because it it kind of started out with just him doing it I think he kind of boarded the whole thing and he kind of animated almost all of it by himself or all of it I can't remember and like more people have become involved and like we've kind of polished it a little bit more as it's gone along but that sort of has gone along with the way the story's changed but that first episode I don't think we thought it was bad like but it was just like there's not really any jokes in it there's next you know um it's quite serious for us uh and there's no real action so sometimes we make a clip like Shaggy Ball Z or something which is just cool visuals lots of references and action and music and we're like well we know those ingredients will work where this is just like are people going to be interested in us just sort of having Sonic and Amy and Tails have chats with each other and the answer is like yeah yeah they're really interested in that actually very much so yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jason I know that Alex Walker Smith looked after a lot of the music for this series Hmm. and he's definitely someone I'd love to get on in the future so if you're listening Alex give us a call but I know you also did all the sound design and a portion of the music too. So when it comes to sound design and music, 
what are you looking for when it comes to a cartoon like this? Because as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, it's one that ebbs and flows going from this love story to, uh, I don't know, a kind of a Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction type of thing, <laughs> except it's a hedgehog and not a rabbit and stories don't totally line up, but you kind of get the gist. Mm. Yeah. How do you go from that love story to horror and how, how, how much of a challenge is that? It was quite a bit of a challenge, actually. Um I mean, the first episode, I think, was a little more straightforward because it starts off as, you know, it's it's visually kind of bright and cute and it's it's obviously a cartoony cartoon. Um, so it, you can kind of have a, bit, a little bit more kind of playfulness in the sound design there. So, you know, whips and kind of cartoony sounds that wouldn't necessarily be like in a grounded kind of animation that you can have fun with. But then, yeah, as, as it kind of became more horror-y, you kind of do have to... You know, you have to have this squelch of 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 uh, Sonic's arm being broken with the bone snap, and then you know all the kind of the gory bits of flesh coming off uh, as his head gets bashed in. Trying to balance it in a way that makes it feel like roughly consistent with what came before is was certainly challenging. But I think I think I I always see sound design as a collaborative process anyway. Like I I can do my first best pass on something, and then Ben will come in and kind of put his eyes on it or his ears on it. Um, and he'll always kind of um, guide me down the right path in just just saying, well, maybe, maybe this needs a sound. Maybe we're missing a sound here or, you know, this is too grounded. This seems to be more cartoony and just kind of directing it just in the right direction, um, which is always really useful. I'm always real nice too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's important to, to know that, yeah. You need to love me now! Amy, you need help. Let you me. need to love me now! Get off of me! Amy, please! Stop fighting me! It was all for you, Sonic! He twisted me and hurt me and he would have broken me! But it was all so we could be together! Get away from me! One thing that I think is interesting, this isn't even a sound design thing, but the Amy going crazy colors thing, the Amy like when she's in her powers thing, is directly because of the YouTube censorship. I was going to mention, it's kind of something you said, Jason, about how the first part is all very flat colors. The second part introduces those neon bits and slightly more shading. And as it goes along, there is a sort of a darker tone to the, to the cartoon, like visually just with shadows and shading. And yeah, part of that then is those neon colors. But no, I I think it, it is a very interesting point that it's, it was initially down to the, the limitations of YouTube, I suppose. Some of it is. I mean, I think Monty, Eileen Monty, is, who's incredible in this. She, she voice, voices Amy Rose. She's incredible in this. She really is amazing. Like going through the takes, like I think we got like quite choked up at times. But like, mm-hmm. especially around when she kills him, it's it was upsetting, you know? And we were actually a little bit worried um because One Chop did an incredible job of drawing that scene up, but we were genuinely like, this is just like quite hard to watch. Like, and people who love Sonic love Sonic, you know, and a lot of people like him, like, and have like fond memories of Sonic one way or another. So watching him like really brutally be smashed to pieces, um, because it was more in vision originally, um, while this really upsetting, well-acted VO from her, 
and Blake doing a really great job of pretending to be mashed to death with a hammer. That necessitated that we find a way of softening it. And that's kind of how Amy's sort of power and like having this like altered state, like this sort of Jekyll, um, not Hyde, Hyde, not Jekyll, Jekyll's the nice side, the Hyde side of her um, and having the kaleidoscopic sort of negative colored world which is incredible and it really helped but also it was partly a place so we didn't upset people and also so that we didn't get censored by youtube and get demonetized um so we were trying to figure out a way to show something really violent in a more interesting way and at first there's a bit of pushback where people are like oh can't we just do what we want it's like actually it's better because do you really want to see it and i don't think anybody did like i don't think anybody really wants to see amy smash sonic's head open but seeing that kind of expression of her emotion and violence that way it's actually better so like it's a weird way where censorship i think actually made us do something better than we would have done by ourselves which is messed up and almost like i'm saying like you know, the man is good. Uh, but <laughs> no, but I, I, I get what you mean. Is those limitations forced the team to try and get around them and eventually ended up in what I think is a better solution. Yeah, definitely. Last week, I brought up some YouTube comments for Secret History of Sonic and Tales, and I will do that again this week. But before we get onto that, there was one particular comment that I wanted to highlight because I just kept on seeing it. And... That one is about the DC characters, the Joker and Harley Quinn. So many times people in the comments will be like, Tales of the Joker, Amy's Harley Quinn. Is that a fair comparison? Well, at one point we were calling Amy, Amy Quinn. So, so yes is your answer. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. A, it, it, like, he's not the Joker and she is not. Like, I mean, we made a decision to take her a bit more away. Like, she was more... Harley for a bit but like I mean that's sort of like I mean the backstory of her character is that what she's the Joker psychiatrist and he drove her crazy and she became infatuated with him and she's sort of like her power I mean even Amy is different because Amy is like a Frankenstein she has been twisted by Insana Tales and infected by like his mind but he, she's also been like physically rebuilt but yeah there's something there there's something of there was um a story that DC slightly ripped off of Judge Dredd where they did a sort of Judge Death version of Batman, which was sort of like with the Joker's mind in him. So there is a little bit of that, a sort of assembling a sort of dark team of Sonic and Friends characters. So there, there's influence, but like, like nobody started out as like, this guy's the Joker and this is that person. And also, I mean, they're all derivative characters anyway. So... I mean, she's as much Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as I said earlier, as she is that. Was it something you had in your head when you were first thinking about it, Jason? Not really. I think it was just, it was a nice parallel that kind of came about as as we kind of wrote the the structure and the script. I, I think just by happenstance, just it, just the way kind of Amy's story evolved, it kind of became more and more clear to us. Oh, is this, this is kind of like a Harley Quinn situation. And there is kind of, yeah, there are moments where it's like, yeah, the Batman who laughs is kind of, in the back of our heads when we're kind of thinking about the future of the future of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely see why fans have kind of pinpointed that as a reference. But yeah, like, like Ben said, it, it's not it's not purely that. There is there's there's lots of other stuff in the mix there as well, which I hope I, I hope I hope people um at the very least enjoy that going forward. I think there's there's a lot of interesting things to come. Yeah, I mean we've tried really hard to like like with Knuckles, like 
and with all the universes and when we get into the multiverse to make sure it's not just something you've seen before exactly like yeah like everybody's doing a multiverse right now um mm. but because it's helpful you know like especially when you're dealing <laughs> with something like this like um but we're trying to make sure that like the way we use it is different and the ideas behind it are different and that we're not just say looking at something somebody else has done and saying like like people draw comparisons to attack on Titan with knuckles, but like there's a hell of a lot in it. That's got nothing to do with it. And you know, it's, it's got an anime feel to it and there's a big city and there's a big monster. So like there is that, but like, there's a lot more that isn't too, you know, we want people to get references and have cultural touch points, but still tell original stories, I guess is the, the main thing. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Jason, I, I spoke to Ben about this a little again on the first episode, but I'd love to get your perspective on how the fans took this depiction of Amy to their hearts from the word go within about a, a, a couple of hours. There was, fan art popping up of this Amy character. Even if you Google it, there are yeah links on, on Reddit and DeviantArt and Twitter and Instagram. You'll see reaction videos on YouTube. It became very big on TikTok as well. A ton of TikTok edits. And I'm even sure I saw somebody add Amy to like a fan wiki of just villains, just wider <laughs> villains. That's pretty cool. There's obviously the Friday Night Funkin' mod. So I spoke to Ben about last week. How does it feel to see a character that you thought up be thought of so fondly? It feels pretty great. I've got to say, like, I because I think I think I was I was certainly nervous when the very very first episode of There's Something About Amy went out because it was kind of like. We'd envisioned this this as one story, but due to kind of how ambitious the story had become, we'd split it into kind of multiple parts. There was going to be a cliffhanger at the end of this, and you wouldn't necessarily see a payoff straight away. So I was a little bit nervous, but even even just that going out and kind of doing well was really, really gratifying to see, because I think Amy isn't, isn't just uh, a product of the writing. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, it's the dialogue that kind of Ben wrote. It's It's the character designs that, you know, Liam and, and One Chop did. And it's kind of, it, it's a product of everybody's work. And it, I think it, that's a credit to how well it's been received because, you know, you get some insane fan art, which is just a, a credit to how talented our fans are as well. It's incredibly fun just to watch recaps and or like, you know, reaction videos. That's that's something I like to do is every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll dip into a reaction video. Um, and especially with the third part where it, everything's kind of revealed. Mm. Yeah. When people kind of see that point and their minds are kind of like, oh my God, wait, that was him the whole time. And then you can kind of go back and you can kind of rewatch all the little details and say, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was him the whole way through It was, it was right there. And so, yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly fun. I think my favorite part is just it's when people rewatch the first one and you go to that bit just after Amy walks in on Tails and Tails says, um, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I, I think every now and then I, I see someone kind of reference that line and it's kind of like, oh my God, they, they told us from the beginning. And that was, that was your line, Ben, as well. That was, uh, that's one of my favorite lines. careless is all <laughs> you could say I'm my own worst enemy yeah there's a lot of peppering back I mean with all these part of the reason why they were a bit slow is we try and write the whole thing so that we can go back and have lots of references and make it 
full of stuff that's like makes you like ah so yeah it's good it's i think it's this one came together really really well that way yeah there's stuff coming up in knuckles that is gonna mess with people Ooh, it's exciting little teaser there for you uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but obviously a very important part of videos on the internet is the comment section. So I went through all four parts of Amy. I poured over all 60,000 comments, looked at every single one, and I've picked out a couple. So the first one here is from Dingus, who commented on, there's something about Amy part one. And they said, Amy's voice acting is just God tier. It's exactly how I would think she'd sound like and more. And yeah, you said, Ben, that was the work of Eile Monty. It was quite interesting. I think people would probably be interested in that process. You were talking about VO and going through lines and going through takes. I mean, she's great. And I think like she really connected with this. I mean, she's always good, but like, I think she really poured a lot into this one. And it's, I think, a huge part of the reason why it worked and people connected so much with the character is her. The only thing probably is we played with, like, the Harley voice a bit more and there was bits where she went a bit flappery and a bit, like, you know... Mr. J! Oh, my God, it's like Harley herself is here. Oh, my God, <laughs> she's here. But, yeah, so, yeah, she, yeah, it was a lot. A lot of it's down to her. And, yeah, the 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 only thing with her that was hard was not including more. I also think she did a great job of just transitioning from the kind of the cartoony style at the beginning to the much more grounded and emotionally involved style at the very end. And just, just going from that and maintaining the kind of the same character is, is challenging and she pulled it off. Oh, and then she's also tails at the same time too, which is insane. Yeah. (laughs) Until the end when it's uh, Mick. I mean, also like, I mean, I remember the beginning when we were figuring it out because I think Jason originally had the idea that Mick would just do Tails's voice but then that kind of felt like we were really giving the game away at the beginning. It's like, well, guess who this is going to turn out to be? So we sort of came up with the idea of the transition of that, like he was actually going to sort of transform into Insana Tales and that we would switch voices. Yeah, well, we were worried that like was Tales and Amy having a conversation going to sound like the same person? And it doesn't. You can't tell. She's just incredible. And I guess just to your point as well, obviously getting Mick Lauer back to voice tales i feel like it needed that as well rather than somebody else maybe doing an impression of him that moment of the reveal hits even stronger when it is that voice exquisite timing Another comment we have here is from the Something About Amy Part 2 from a winged dragon Ra. They said, he twisted me, hurt me and would have broken me. That line doesn't get enough recognition. Amy uses the word he referring to Tails and not it referencing the surgery. Uh, Somewhere in Amy's mind, she knows Tails is evil. Despite knowing that, she still agreed to, to the procedure. That's really sad. Yeah. Again, I just wanted to mention that because it, it, it sort of goes back to how the sincerity of the cartoon, but also how people really took it at face value and sort of appreciated the writing, the characterization, the voice work and everything around it. I went quite hard on the emotional dialogue in the end. A lot of what 
I did aside from the structural stuff with Jason was sort of like really try and weigh up the emotion and but like they were like I say they were kind of hard to get through like and then we had concerns that some of it was too much but like I think it actually came out quite well it's tough because it's abuse and there is a deeper message in it we are sort of trying to say genuinely like it's messed up how much women do for men and the pain they go through and stuff, you know? And I know we have to recognize that like, you know, there's certain pressures on women that aren't very fair or equal, you know? Um, and it is really sad. Like it is a sad, sad story. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, it's very point. tragic. But there's, there's something, there's, there's hope at the end of the rainbow because she is supposedly going to go and meet the real Sonic. I shouldn't say supposedly. She's going to go. <laughs> giving it away. Maybe she will find out in... She's going to see the real Sonic. We Maybe. Well, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how the best way to phrase it. It's fine. I, I'll quickly read the next comment from... There's something about Amy part four. And the commenter was Pika Asia. They said, the fact the musical score subtly hints at tales uh, malintent from the very first What Are Friends For is just plain amazing. This plot is amazing. Everything about this is amazing. But I think, am I right in saying, Jason, some of that was down to you, the, the, including the music from the secret history of Sonic and Tales and like having little musical stings and repeating them throughout. Amy. Yeah, because because Alex Walker Smith obviously composed the score, um, but I think the, I want, the only direction I gave him really was just I want those particular moments to land a bit harder, uh, and I think that'll do that if we use a theme. If there's like a just a recognisable little motif that comes back, and I, I rewatched the the Secret History of Sonic and Tails, and I don't know if it was necessarily a conscious motif, but it was something that did kind of come back every now and then in, in that score which Alex Walker-Smith also scored. And I, I thought, well, that's a nice little recognisable little earworm. And so I suggested that to him. And to be fair, he, he ran with it. Like he really kind of, he made it work so well within the context of that first episode where it's just, you know, it, just at first it's like a little simple kind of little jingle. And then it kind of gradually gets more and more sinister uh, as the cartoon progresses. And then, you know, you, you end on that sting as well. And I think it just, it really just cemented that, just that idea in people's heads. And so that, you know, hopefully when we bring it back every now and then, it will just kind of just trigger in people's heads. I feel like that just helps push the connectivity of there's something about Amy and, you know, there's something about Knuckles and any of the future um, ones that we do. If we do them. There will be. Can we say something very explicitly too? There's something about Knuckles is connected to there's something about Amy. It is for the the few people who aren't quite getting it. It is one of those universes we see in something about Amy pop for. Yeah. We're not even going to say this before or after or anything else, but it is one of those and it is connected to that multiverse 100%. Well, thank you very much, Lance, for giving me, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of insight and, and the listeners a lot of insight on the creative process of There's Something About Amy. But we are not done yet. No, no, no. Because every good podcast has a quiz. Of course it does. And we have some cheesy game show music to go along with it. 
So, yes, as with any podcast, segments are, are fluid. So, you know, for the for the first few episodes, why we try stuff out. Last week, <laughs> Ben and Tom did do a, a game show with me on pop culture when Secret History of Sonic and Tails came out. It was out. very difficult. <laughs> well, the format has changed slightly, right? That format may return. It may not. Who knows? But this week, I want to test the two of your lads' knowledge on the central figure in this very animated series, the Sonic the Hedgehog character, Amy Rose. Oh, no. (laughs) So let's play our little quiz that doesn't have a name yet, but may will in the future. Um, All right, I'm looking at my screen. Jason, you're on top of Ben. So look, I'm going to give you the first question. Okay. Amy Rose was the first female character in Sonic the Hedgehog. First appearing in the American comics, according to the history of Sonic the Hedgehog book. Her name wasn't Amy Rose at first, however. Can you tell me what she was called when she first appeared? Mm, oh God, literally all of my anxiety dreams are about exams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I only know her as Amy Rose. Ben, any, any guesses? Um, Sonia? <laughs> Sonia the Hedgehog. No, it was Rosie the Rascal. Rosie the That's Rosie interesting. Rosie the Rascal. Okay. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is like such a Beano name, isn't it? It is quite Beano. <laughs> ben, your first question. Amy's first appearance in a video game was in 1993 Sonic CD. However, specifically in the North American manual for the game, she was once again not called Amy Rose. What was she called? Easy questions, I think you'll agree. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, her name was um, uh, Veronica B***. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was Princess Sally. Princess Sally. Yeah, uh, fans think that she was named that in the manual because Sally Acorn was in the Saturday morning cartoon, uh, of the, Sonic, the Hedgehog Saturday morning cartoon that was on at the time. Uh, Jason, we go back to you for your second question. Okay. Maybe you might have, you might do better with this round, lads. So, what is the first sentence that Amy Rose says in There's Something About Amy? Is it Happy Sonic Day to you? Does she go straight into the song? And that's a point on the board for Jason Allen Dewey. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Ben, your second question. What is the last sentence that Amy Rose says in There's Something About Amy? Which one? The last one? The, the very last sentence in part four. The last thing she says. She's like all excited that she's going to go and see Sonic. I don't remember her saying those words. She says, <laughs> she's all excited because she's going to see Sonic. <laughs> she says, goody, goody gumdrops. I get to go see Sonic. My Sonicy wannaky. She writes some crap I wrote. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I pass it over to you, Jason. Can you remember what she says? Oh God. Um Is it oh yes, take me take me to my Sonic? It's not what I have on my card, but mm. you've gotten very close. She says Sonic, oh take me, take me, take me is what she uh, says. Okay. Very close, very close. I don't think he gets a point though, because let's face it, I'm probably not gonna get any points, so he doesn't <laughs> Well, I have one final question and this is just up for grabs, whoever wants to take it. Just say the answer if you know it. We all know Amy has a large hammer, but can you tell me the name of the hammer? It isn't just Amy's hammer. Oh, that's so interesting. Name. 
Jason, do you have anything before Ben cheats? The pick a pick a hammer? You're ruining the integrity of the quiz, Ben, for God's sake. I just have to stretch my arms forward and tap. I'm not giving it to you. Jason wins. Congratulations, Jason. Thank you very much. So I don't get any points? Of course you don't. <laughs> we all heard you tapping on your little keyboard there. And I admitted I was searching it. Yeah. I was searching. <laughs> that, also that, also that. But I feel like I should get points for integrity then. Lack of integrity. But thank you very much, Lance, for playing my quiz. The final segment of the podcast is something that we like to call In Case You Missed It. And this is just where each of us gets to recommend something to you. It is something we saw or like or whatnot on the internet. Uh, It can be something from quite recently. It can be something from years ago. And it doesn't necessarily have to be animation related. So Jason, why don't you start us off? What what is something that you would like to recommend to our listeners? What I'd like to recommend is something that I've been watching quite recently. It's Poker Face um, with Natasha Leone. It's a kind of a murder mystery detective uh, story kind of show. Because uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of those kind of stories anyway, books, um, games, TV shows, movies, all the rest of it. And I'm just having such a good time watching that show. Because Natasha Leone is fantastic. Uh, but it's also, there's such a wide variety of kind of uh, situations and genres that they go through. Like there's, there's one episode based around a, like a fading rock band. There's one about a barbecue restaurant. There's one about a, a stop motion animator kind of in the Phil Tippett style. And I, I'm pretty sure Phil Tippett contributed stop motion to, to that episode as well. It's just enormously fun. And it's created by Ryan Johnson of, you know, Knives Out, Glass Onion, mm-hmm. both of which I also really enjoy. It's almost like a like an alternative universe version of Columbo with Natasha Leone. Sign me up. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Ben, what say you? What have you got to, to share with the group today? Um, there's a, in Twitter, there's an account I really like, which is called um, False Knees, which is this guy who does these comic strips about birds. And I think he's a Canadian naturalist or something. And he's a very talented artist. And there's just something, I think he's a genius. I just think there's something observational about the human spirit or something captured in birds and i don't even like birds but they are yeah it's brilliant um don't trust birds though because they'll kill you to get a chance little flying dinosaurs trust the twitter account as false knees yeah bird cartoons very good and one thing i was going to quickly recommend it is something called wrestlenomics it is a podcast and a youtube channel uh, all about the economics of professional wrestling fronted by a man called Brandon Thurston, who would be one of the most trustworthy names in the the wrestling journalism game. So yeah, if you like pro wrestling and you want to get a better insight into the money aspect of it, then get on that. It is absolutely fantastic. One final thing before we go. Ben, you said last week, you don't want people following you on the internet. Cool. But <laughs> we, do, we do want people going on youtube.com forward slash mashed. Of course, that is the main port of call. But Jason, would you like people following you on the internet? I do have a YouTube channel at Jason Allen Dewey. Uh, and I do like other animation stuff like Lego animations and Blender. Um, and I'm just kind of slowly teaching myself. And every now and then I'll upload a new one. So if you're interested in that, Follow me on me on there on YouTube. Otherwise, just follow Mashed. Very good. Yes, please do. Most importantly, youtube.com forward slash Mashed. Thank you very much, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Likewise. About There's Something About Amy. And I hope we'll get to do it again soon, sometime down the future, to talk about some other cartoon. 
And that just about does it. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. You can also find us on social media. We are at Rogue Pixels Pod. Get in touch and let us know who you would like to hear on the show. This has been a Spudgun Studios production. I have been Colin Ahern, and I'll see you again next week for another episode of Rogue Pixels. Pixels.